0: Welcome to Wallop Profile. It's the show where we interview people within the Wallop Media family. I'm the host of today's episode, Kyle Joseph, and my interview guest today is my co-host for most of the Wallop Media podcast-related things, uh, my pod brother and real-life cousin Rowland Turner. Rowland, how are you doing? I'm
1: good. I'm good. I'm excited for this. I, uh... I've never been interviewed before, so it's uh, it's it's uh, going to be a fun fun ride, I think. For
0: sure. I think the focus of this, I sort of set off here, is I wanted to talk about sort of your history of your interest in wrestling because, you know, it's a big driver as to what we do here in the podcasting world. And so I want to, I think you've told the story on the show before, or on a show before, but I want to get your first... Taste of wrestling, what was the first like wrestling memory that you remember sort of getting into this
1: as a kid? okay, so there's a few um Muppets in space Hulk Hogan was in muppets 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 in space um very briefly, mind you um but I remember him from that, and that kind of led me into. Um, As we were kids, we would play uh, WCW, NWO Revenge, um, and a a few other wrestling games on the N64. So, I mean, like that I feel like was probably my initial introduction to wrestling, but it was on, right? Like, it was the late 90s. It was super popular at the time. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H. A lot of those guys were super popular at the time. I do distinctly remember... Um, myself and my younger brother staying up late one night and wrestling was on. And I do believe it was the episode of Raw where Triple H blew his quad, uh, w- tagging with Steve Austin against Benoit and Jericho. And it, Jericho was a big deal because he was from Winnipeg, and being from Winnipeg, anytime you heard that reference, you got excited. Um, so I think I watched that match, I couldn't tell you any memories from that match. I know it's considered the greatest raw match of all time, but there's nothing really that I can tell you from my earliest memory that you know would suggest that I was watching something great. Definitely those N64 games, No Mercy. I had a I had a friend down the street who had No Mercy and we used to play that game to death. There was a there was a website dedicated to um, helping you create the current roster of wrestlers in No Mercy. It would give you all, all of the, the the things you needed to do to create a John Cena or Randy Orton or whatever, even in 2002, 2003. So I think that was my introduction, but I do want to point out a, uh, a specific memory I have. Um... I think I was nine years old when I had my tonsils and agnoids removed, and I had a, a bunch of family come and visit me at the hospital while i uh, during my recovery period and I remember my mother told me she distinctly said, Please no one bring him anything restful um, because she could feel the the fandom growing in me um, and i at that, you know at the time it was. It wasn't necessarily what you wanted your kids to be into. It was violent. It was bloody. There was a lot of sex involved in it. So I can imagine as a parent of a nine-year-old, you don't want your kid to necessarily be into this, hoping that they won't, you know, start their own backyard wrestling league or what have you. Um, But one of our family members, I don't remember which, brought me the WWE magazine. While I was recovering. And it was just the most fascinating thing for me. It was right around the invasion era. I believe it was September. Um, So it was maybe October. So back in the day, WWE Magazine would be the way that you learned how things happened on the pay-per-view if you couldn't watch the pay-per-view. So in the October edition, you would have the September pay-per-view photos, results, results, whatever. And I distinctly remember Stone Cold Steve Austin's face being on the cover of this magazine, and I just I loved this thing, and that really that's kind of my earliest memories. I know I kind of rambled on there, but that those are my earliest memories.
0: And that's that's what this is for us for rambling. No, no magazines. <laughs> I, I still have a yes. bunch of old Sports Illustrated. I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated at one point uh, as a as like a teenager
1: my mother came to visit myself, my son, my ex and, uh, our family at the time, um, right after my son was born and she brought me a Toronto Raptors, um, championship edition sports illustrated. And I still have this thing. It's, it's amazing. The photos, some of these photographers are able to get in such clutch moments.
0: That's fair. So those are sort of the early memories of wrestling. What do you remember about being going from, you know, this is a thing that I enjoy to the thing that hooked you? Because I think at one point you mentioned you were watching SmackDown on a weekly basis. Where did it go from this is a thing that I enjoy
1: to this is a thing that I'm regularly taking part in? Um, it was more than just SmackDown. It was Raw. I think I had a, like a, a decade-long consistency for catching SmackDown Raw whatever they had to offer WWE at the time. Um, when it became a thing for me is when I realized that there was a point in time where when wrestling was the topic, I was the smartest guy in the room. Um, I'm not the smartest guy. (laughs) Anybody who's listened to our podcast over the last five years has, you know, you know, you know that definitely I am not the brains behind the operation. um, there but there was a point where like i said when when wrestling became the topic of conversation whether it was with friends um family or whatever i knew my shit and that was a big confidence booster for me as especially as a young adult um i'm not super knowledgeable on the world and and, and its you know goings but when it comes to wrestling and Certainly some genres of music, movies, stuff like that. I, I, you know, I have a good hold on, you know, what's popular and what's good and what's, you know, not good. And wrestling was something that I was always able to feel confident about talking about. And uh, that's, I think, what made me gravitate towards it.
0: Who are the people that were like, can't miss people to watch at the time, whether it be matches, promos, like going through, you know, from your early days on through your, your teen years, formative years in as a wrestling fan, who were sort of your people in those early days?
1: Um, like I mentioned off the top, Chris Jericho, being from Winnipeg, was definitely somebody that I gravitated towards. too. I remember distinctly having a conversation with my brother. This must have been 2001, 2002. Uh, and we talked about. I I asked him, I was like, do you like Stone Cold Steve Austin? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Stone Cold's cool. And I, I kind of had the same feeling. Like, Stone Cold's cool, he's not our guy, but definitely somebody that we gravitated towards. Um, in my teens and early 20s, CM Punk was the guy. Um, when he was on the mic, when he was in the ring, it was always something I wanted to catch. There was always something about him. Um obviously a lot of people who listen to our programs know that AJ Styles is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um I don't know if you remember this Kyle, but there was a point where if you had like Bell TV or some sort of satellite where you would get ESPN Classic, um they would show old TNA pay-per-views. Like I did not TNA started this. Okay, so TNA started on a week-to-week basis. Every Wednesday, they would put out a pay-per-view. That's kind of how they got their footing in the wrestling world. And at the time, I didn't really know about it. But years later, when ESPN Classic would air these shows, I would tune in, and, you know, at the time, my parents weren't super high on me watching wrestling, but it was something that I was interested in, and we had a TV downstairs... So if I had some alone time, I would, you know, put them on the PVR or catch them when I could. And it led to me eventually, you know, getting to the point where TNA became a big deal to me because it was something different. It was an alternative to WWE at the time that was fine, but TNA was something different. There was more excitement to it. And uh, that's how I discovered AJ Styles. And at the time, he was doing things that nobody was doing and being a top guy doing them. And it was exciting to me and it's really gravitated towards him becoming my my favorite wrestler of all time.
0: So you mentioned TNA. I want you to actually, I'll ask that uh, right off the bat. Talk to me more about your sort of relationship with TNA. What was it about it that and who were some of the other people that you remember enjoying watching or yeah, what was it about TNA that really made you gravitate towards it?
1: Um, I hated Jeff Jarrett, and Jeff Jarrett was always on top in TNA, and waiting for that moment where he would eventually get, you know, topped, whether it was AJ Styles, Ron Killings, uh, Raven, I was always a big fan of Raven, and I never thought that he got used properly in the WWE, not to say that his WCW run was really anything to write home about, but there was something about that character that kind of spoke to me. And maybe it was my love of grunge music and just that style. But I always thought that he was kind of a cool character, and I loved the fact that he had a a promo style where he he had like a, 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 he had a point to get to. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And he had to get to that, but he had a bunch of stuff in between that would usually sound pretty cool, and it would be you know, against the grain of what you would hear in WWE. Um, And I don't know, like, I guess there was some excitement to the fact that there was some competition. Like, I grew up in the era where WCW was around, but it folded and WCW grabbed a lot of those guys, or sorry, WWE grabbed a lot of those guys. And there was nothing else to watch. And when you, you had the opportunity to see something else; it was kind of cool, and especially, you know, you're you're not only are you seeing something different in a sense that the wrestling's a little bit more acrobatic, and or a, at some points anyway, and the stories are different. But you also had the six sided ring at the time that was completely different than WWE, and I know a lot of wrestlers going back have said that they they really didn't care for working in that ring. But again, if, you, if you're if you flipping through channels and you're a wrestling fan, if you see a, a, a six-sided ring, you might want to tune in to because, just because um, there's something different going on here. And let's see how this looks. Let's see what this does. And uh, that was, I mean, generally it. Like, I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s for wrestling, so a lot of people who grew up in the 80s and 90s had wcw and and wwe to kind of go back and forth with i didn't have that so i needed something else and don't get me wrong like i i saw some old ring of honor stuff and i saw some indie stuff from that era but nothing looked as good as tna at the time
0: cool so i'm actually curious about this as well because i know it's something that's sort of a part of my wrestling story. Was there ever really a time that you fell off of wrestling?
1: 2023? No, Mm -hmm. I, I, like, listen. um, No, I, I think the answer is no, because as soon as I started to figure out that there was more to wrestling than what you saw on TV, as soon as I figured out that there were dirt sheets and... Sites dedicated to covering this. Like I, I'll be honest. I had no idea who Dave Melt Dave Meltzer was until early into my twenties. Um, but when I could go online and read about it and and uh, learn a little bit more about the industry, it kind of kept me there. And even it, like again, I watched during some of the worst periods of WWE history, but. knowing that there was more going on behind the scenes and you could read about it, you could learn about it, you could learn how wrestling really is put together. Uh, It was one of those things for me that it was hard to kind of uh, separate myself from it. I became almost obsessed at, at times and I would start fantasy booking and stuff like that long before we had universe mode. I would do this with the video games. And um, as time, you know, pushed forward, you know, this became more of the norm. We got these modes in wrestling video games. Wrestling news started, become, started to become more in the forefront of what wrestling is. And I kind of just carried on. Uh, so as for was there a down period? Not really. That's fair. You've talked about
0: this sort of in pieces, but I kind of want to get, this is one of the bigger things I wanted to cover in the course of the show, because I want to get the full sort of story in this. There was a point in time where you were training in wrestling. I want to hear about your experiences with that. Okay, so. (laughs) How did you get started in it, and sort of where did it go?
1: It didn't go anywhere. I'm right here with you. Um, I went to a couple of sessions I met some people who were training. I watched a lot. I helped put together the ring. Um, I was at a really low period in my life where I needed to take time off work. I was not doing well mental health-wise. I was not doing well um, substance abuse-wise. And I think I was just looking for an outlet to try and grab a hold of. And I was looking for something to... Um I knew I loved pro wrestling. So I really wanted pro wrestling to save my life in a sense. And I didn't end up going forward with it. There were definite ideas and plans and whatever, but I mean wrestling, wrestling training costs a lot of money and at the point where I was at in my life, I don't think I would have ever been able to fully commit to it. Um But no, I just, I reached out to somebody who I knew was training guys in Winnipeg at the time. And he told me to come by, watch a few sessions, see what it was all about, and see if it was something that would interest me. I was already at the point where I was, you know, I was old enough where they were considering like just saying no. I think it was 25, 26 at the time. Um, just because the, a late start's never great with that business. Um, DDP is the guy who somehow made it through starting at 35. Um, but and, and I wasn't in the world's greatest shape. Um, and when I told the guy my story, he he he, I I do remember, and uh, I will name him because he's somebody who's a Winnipeg wrestler who I think should get more credit for the the work he does. AJ Sanchez. Uh, I I told him my story, I told him what I was, you know, what my life was like at the time, and he advised me to really think about what I was doing, because getting into that business with all the abuse, or substance abuse that was already going on in it, and with how much it would cost me, was it really worth my time? And it, I mean, ultimately wasn't. I, I, I my body couldn't handle the things that these guys were doing. I I distinctly remember being at a session where they were learning how to take some moves. And th- the the guy's training would suggest a move that they wanted to learn how to take. And this guy would perform the move onto them and, and see how they reacted and teach them how to take it and whatever. And one of the young kids, this kid was probably 109 pounds, soaking wet. And he said, I want to learn how to take the R Ar- Anderson Spinebuster. And he was brave. Because AJ Sanchez is like 310 pounds and like six eight, Like, he's a big guy. And this poor kid took this spine buster and just laid there and rolled over afterwards. And he asked him, he's like, are you okay? And he's like, I just got the wind taken out of me. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, you did. Because you you started aggressive. Learn how to take like a, a, a proper back bump before you want to take a spine buster. Um, go on.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That is is, uh, good advice. I do want to cover some other stuff, but I want to get into this first. So you came to me, God, I can't even remember the year this was, asking me about doing a wrestling podcast. Tell me about your memory of that and how you, your goal in getting this started and how this sort of whole operation came to be.
1: Okay, so it was 2017. <laughs> uh, it was, I think, it was right around WrestleMania time, Kofi Mania.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe it was 2018. I don't remember. Um, so I had been listening to the post wrestling guys, John Pollock, waiting, do their podcasts for years at this point. It was one of the things that, um. Like wrestling is is a weird thing because the people who are into it are really into it. If you can find those people, you're you you could have conversations for days. But if you're around a bunch of people who don't enjoy it and don't understand it, you can feel isolated. And John Pollock and Wei Ting didn't make me feel isolated. They made me feel like I was a completely normal person for enjoying the sport of pro wrestling. And it helped. Um, and as I started to see them grow and leave the Fight Network and do their own thing, I started to realize that there were there was room in this space for more people. Um, I wanted to go into broadcasting as a young person. Um, I just unfortunately never had the funds to get through school. Um, but I knew I could do it. You know what I mean? Like I knew I had opinions that um and, and opinions and knowledge of this business that could, you know, get me a little bit ahead. And I knew you well enough to know that and if you if you haven't listened to the wallet profile of Kyle Joseph, um you're meticulous about everything. And I love it because I think that me and you work well together in a sense that I can be color commentary and you can be play by play. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, Me and you have always had a good rapport with one another um, throughout growing up together and just, you know, getting older and whatever. And while you were not the world's biggest wrestling fan, I I think you understood how much I loved it and if i was going to talk to somebody on a week to week basis or on a month to month basis or whatever about pro wrestling i think i always wanted it to be you so it was um when i when i started to think about what i wanted to do it was always you that and like when it comes to sports your your mind is is amazing that's why i love doing the sports show with you is because whether we're talking about F one, hockey, basketball, football, you have such a a presence about you, and I kind of wanted to show the world that, like, the show the world that I guess, in a sense, because, like I said, you're always fun to talk about all those subjects with, but there, I don't know, there was something, there was something about it, the idea of doing a podcast with you, where I was just like, man. We should really just do it. And it wasn't until AEW and NXT went head to head that we really, you know, put our foot into the ground with it. But no, I, 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 uh, when it came to like our relationship, I was like, I feel like that would be a fun show. I feel like we'd be able to get through it and get along well. And while we may not have the same opinion on everything, it would be fun. And I needed some fun in my life at that point.
0: So, point of uh, just for point of clarification, it was 2018 because uh, the first attempt that we tried to do for a podcast, the first recording that we have long since lost was WrestleMania 34, right. which was quite a choice for us to try to cover. If we're going to try to cover a show, that show was cursed. That was. Uh Asuka losing to Charlotte clean in the middle of oh. the ring. That was Jinder Jinder winning the US title. That was uh Angle and Rousey versus Triple H and, and Stephanie McMahon. The that, was a, that, was. Was, that a was a fun match. It was a fun match. Uh that was Undertaker Squashing Cena. Okay. That okay. was Daniel Bryan tagging with Shane McMahon for some reason. E uh That was Nia Jax beating Alexa Bliss and giving the BS Star promo. Uh, that was Styles Nakamura one, or I guess two and yeah w- Styles Nakamura, Nakamura one in, in WWE at least that was Braun Strowman winning the tag titles with a literal
1: child oh god oh my god I forgot about that
0: and that was Lesnar uh, Reigns the the worst of those matches and that's saying
1: something agreed fully agreed
0: uh, yeah, the fact that that show was just so cursed, that I don't think we were ever going to be able to get a podcast through with it. We watched all like, five or whatever hours of that show. I think I watched the pre-show on that one, too, because I remember the the Battle Royal. I remember Matt Hardy winning that. I remember Cedric and Mustafa Ali being given not enough time to be awesome. The heart and soul of cruiser of the Cruiserweight division. Right. 205 Live. Oh, all of that stuff, yeah, that was that was a time. WWE tried a lot of stuff, so I think it's clear from talking to you, from listening to you to from doing this podcast, that you have more of it. Whereas I have a more love hate relationship with wrestling. You seem to have more earnest love for this business mm-hmm. than, than I do. Uh, certainly in some capacities, I want to hear a couple, if you can off the top of your head shows, ideas, um, matches, formats, just things about wrestling that you go against the grain and you still like love earnestly.
1: Oh God. I still love. Um, Matches. uh, Let's talk matches. Um, Anything involving Christian. I've always loved Christian. There was a period of time where he was on top in TNA. And... I think that that was a really high point for TNA, I, uh, match-wise anyway. This guy's always been able to go. He's never really been given the opportunity in WWE to to show his true potential. And I think in 2023 we really saw all we were going to see with, with Christian, especially in his 50s, um, that should have been highlighted years prior. This guy's an incredible talker. He's an incredible worker. Um, so anything... Christian Cage and TNA, I'm all over. Uh, AJ Styles, like I've mentioned, he has countless matches, even with Jeff Jarrett, that were great. Um, Trying to think of WWE matches. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. I remember that being the first time that I was like, wow, that was a really great match. Uh, Much the same with Undertaker versus Edge. I don't remember what the WrestleMania was, That they had, but they main evented. Um, I remember hearing Edge talk about how after the match, he was sitting in the back with Taker, and Taker was like, You're you're just as good as Sean or Brett. And that was a really big, like a really big moment for Edge in his career. I've always been a big Edge head. Um, Even now, like with him in AEW, like I love the idea that this guy's getting to finish his story the way he wants to do it and he feels like he has more in the tank so he's being given the opportunity when it comes to promos i mean the pipe bomb was a big deal to me uh when the rock came back to feud with cena in god 2011 2010 i remember being I was, I was living with my parents at the time, and I was in my parents' basement. And I used to watch Raw on my laptop. And the entire week leading up to it, they had now, they had announced that there was going to be a WrestleMania host. And that person was going to come out on Raw and give a promo and what have you. And there was rumor that it was going to be The Rock, but there was another rumor. And that it was going to be Justin Bieber. So it was 50-50 going into that raw whether it was going to be good or bad. And the Rock ended up showing up and he hosted that WrestleMania and it would lead to him and him versus Cena the following year, following two years rather. Um that was a really big deal to me. CM Punk's entire run after the pipe bomb was a big deal to me. I never missed a raw, I never missed the match. It was. It, it felt like impo- appointment viewing, and and wrestling hadn't felt like that for a long time. I watched every week, but it didn't feel like appointment viewing. And CM Punk did that for me for, at the time. Um, I'm trying to think though, if there's anything else. Um, the invasion. That was really the era that I started to get into wrestling. I know we look back on that era and go, the storyline was crap, and we didn't get the big stars, and we had to deal with the Chuck Palumbos and the uh, Sean O'Hares of that era. I still hold like, a really s- soft spot in my heart for that era, because of the fact that i that's what got me into it. So when we, like me and you, a few months ago, went back and watched Invasion two thousand one, um, I still like that 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 era. Like I I I still go back and watch old Raws, Smackdowns, pay per views because it, it just it makes me feel young again.
0: So I'm kind of curious about this as well because I think I've made my feelings about my sort of wrestling tastes pretty clear in the
1: past on the show you like flips not fists
0: i uh, acrobatic, like wrestling wrestling is you know choreographed theater it's yeah but i am curious about the things in wrestling that are happening right now whether it be uh, people or storylines or you know just trends in wrestling that you're really enjoying right now and you're sort of hoping become more prevalent as
1: 2024 soldiers on? Um, Not enough can be said for old school wrestling because Kyle, I understand your love of the more acrobatic style of wrestling, but like I look at a guy like Cody Rhodes and he's always been a very much so American wrestling style, and I've always enjoyed Cody Rhodes. There's never been a period. I shouldn't say there's there. There was a period of time I didn't enjoy Cody Rhodes, but that was more based on his character, I think, and less on his in-ring ability. But like I've seen Cody Rhodes versus Jushin Thunder Liger live, great match. I've seen um, him wrestle Roman Reigns last year at WrestleMania. And as, as much as I disagree with the outcome of that match, it was a great match. Um, his whole feud with Seth Rollins, fantastic. Brock Lesnar, I enjoyed all those matches too. I think that I, I I'm enjoying the trend of you don't have to go out there and kill yourself every single week. And still be as popular as, you know, the guys who do. Um, And it's not just him. Like, I've enjoyed a lot of Randy Orton stuff that people would, you know, say is slow and prodding and whatever. Not a big Triple H guy, but, like, I I see his placement. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, FTR, they're not about flips or anything like that. Although they can. We know they can. Um. A trend in wrestling, though. Um, it's hard because wrestling is so tribal right now. And it's always an argument. There, it doesn't matter whether Dynamite has a good show, Raw has a good show, SmackDown has a good show, Collision's good, Rampage is whatever. It, it's It feels like you have to fight for your opinion all the time, which really bothers me to no end. Like, I enjoy stuff from everything. Every company. I watched the TNA pay per view a few weeks ago. I enjoyed a lot of that, and it was completely different from both companies, both of the big companies, anyway. Um, no, I, 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 I don't know how else to, how else to answer that. Besides, uh, I enjoy the fact that old school wrestling still does the job for a lot of the people who watch wrestling.
0: I think MJF is kind of a big uh, person who is very rooted in uh, history as well. Yes,
1: absolutely. So. This one
0: popped into my head. Now I'm kind of curious. I'm going to run with it a little bit. We've done things in the past where I've done some fantasy booking stuff. We're not going to get into like fantasy booking stuff, but I'm going to give you, you have the power to, I'm going to say four names. You are able to give them a piece of advice, whether it be advice on a story, whether it be advice on something in general, whatever it is. And this person has to earnestly take it and implement it into their wrestling company or the wrestling program that they're in charge of. We'll start with this. If you had could give one piece of advice or one thing that you would tell Scott more,
1: Don't promise what you can't give. Um the reason I s- you want to expand on that? Um yeah. Ash by elegance. Um I'm all for Dana Brooke going to TNA and getting the the rub she should and getting a run that I've always been a fan. She's good in the ring. But number one, you you left a bunch of people thinking: Is she Tony Storm, um, like part two, or is point mm. point two, or whatever point whatever? Um, and 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 don't advertise the pay per view as you you're never going to believe who's going to show up, and then have Nick Namath and Dana Brooke be the two people who showed up. Because I can believe that they would go to TNA. In fact, I would have bet money on both of them going to TNA. Don't advertise what you can't deliver. Shawn Michaels.
0: Uh,
1: advice for Shawn Michaels. Mm.
0: Something you want to see on NXT.
1: Well, okay, so I watched NXT a few weeks ago, and they had a segment where Dane, or sorry, uh, Tiffany Stratton was a ranch hand for the duration of the show. There were like, I think three or four segments where they would go back to the ranch and and talk and and, and show what Tiffany Stratton was going through. Um, if you're going to have Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch have this big feud where you're really showing off how good Tiffany Stratton really is, you don't need that comedy bullshit. Don't lower her. In, in in the people who watch Week to Week's Eyes, when you've already made her a top main event, main roster star by featuring her with Becky Lynch. I I wanna I, I'm happy to see the women have a multi-segment program throughout the the show, but it doesn't need to be campy and it doesn't need to be silly. Triple H? I mean don't be predictable, but at the same time I'm like like you you've always been critical of his predictability with his booking. I think sometimes predictable is okay as long as you're going in the right direction. Don't sign people mm. you don't know what to do with. Karrion and Cross now has a group. But for the last year and a half, Karrion and Cross has been floundering on Smackdown. Losing to Ray, Losing to Jeff Hardy. Well, I guess that was years prior. But regardless, he's losing to guys he shouldn't be losing to. And if you don't have the idea yet, don't bring them in. And you want to hire them? Sure. Send them to NXT. Do, like, house show appearances. But don't feature them on your TV until you're ready to truly flesh out what they're doing. And Tony Khan. Stay off fucking Twitter. You're a billionaire. And I said this on Get Chow a few weeks ago. Get Chow. The the Get Chow podcast a few weeks ago. If you're a billionaire and you own a wrestling company, stay the fuck off Twitter. You don't need it. You don't need to argue with people who are, you know, in the business. You don't need to argue with wrestlers. You don't need to try and... Argue that your program is the best. Like I said this a few weeks ago, and and I'll, I I got a little flack for it. But Vince McMahon is a terrible person. We all know that. We've we've all been following the wrestling business long enough to know that he's not a good guy. But what have you never seen Vince do? And that's go after somebody on Twitter. Don't do something like if he's not doing it then why are you because now you look at you look the same level as him like enough's enough with the jinder mahal sucks and watch dynamite or or big swole isn't good enough at wrestling watch dynamite just shut up shut up and and let the wrestling speak for itself I'm happy to see the rankings come back. They announced that this past weekend. The rankings are back. Mm -hmm. I I like the idea of a sports-centric wrestling company. But if you're not going to focus on it, you're not going to actually book it like the rankings suggest, Mm -hmm. then don't do shit like that. Um, And also, if you don't have a plan for somebody, don't sign them. Let them work other you know, avenues. Let them go to New Japan. Let them go to do, work the Indies. If you don't have the the ideas for somebody, also it, Tony Khan, find somebody else to book because it can't just be you for both AEW and Ring of Honor. Find somebody else to help you book it because yeah. it, if if we've learned one thing from Vince McMahon, it's that one person just making the decision doesn't always work it should be like a um it should be a a, a vote it should be you know uh, five guys in a room six guys in a room you know throw ideas out there you you, you are a guy who is f- still fresh to the wrestling business except the fact that your idea might not be the best idea
0: so i'm going to I, I want to ask one more question before we get towards
1: the end of
0: this. And I'm kind of curious about what you're looking forward to in the coming months for, for wrestling. What's what's something, can be one thing, can be a couple things. What's something you're really looking forward to? Because I'll say this. I'm in a period with wrestling right now where I don't know that I have the level of anticipation that I sometimes do. Especially you know, coming into WrestleMania season, coming into revolution time, like, you know, it's, we're not quite there yet, but we're moving in that direction. What's, what are you looking forward to as we move forward in 2024?
1: Well, as much as I'm not gonna say that every Royal Rumble is fantastic, I'm looking forward to it though. It's always exciting until it's over. So there's that. Um, I love international crowds. So we have elimination chamber in Australia. We have backlash in France. We have, uh, there, there's going to be bash in Berlin at one point, uh, money in the banks in Toronto. We get a flavor for what the rest of the world likes with pro wrestling. And I think that's exciting. We have so much strictly American fan bases on your Raws, your Smackdowns, whatever uh, throughout the year. That th- this period of time where they're trying something different and going all over the world to, to to show the world what the WWE can be, I think that's super exciting. I'm I'm super excited for the second all all uh, all in at Wembley. I think that they did something smart and they announced it way in advance so they could try to garner up interest for it. And they've done a great job selling tickets. 50,000 tickets is nothing to scoff at, you know, like 60,000, whatever they're at now. Um, They still have plenty of months to, to, uh, to book that show. Um, Other things I'm looking forward to will Ospreay in AEW. I think that's going to be great. I think he's going to be a top star. I think the people who watch AEW know as soon as he's there, there's no mid-card bullshit. It's he's a top guy. Um, And honestly, the biggest thing for me this year, where's Okada going to land? Because me and you have had conversations off air about you don't think the WWE has the right, idea, or you don't think that they're going to have the right idea for him if he was to choose to go with them. But from everything I've read and heard, Shawn Michaels and Triple H are big fans and they really want to land him. And they, you know, like, for a guy like Okada, can you imagine what it would feel like to, to read that Triple H and Shawn Michaels are big fans of you? That must feel fantastic.
0: Yeah, certainly. Like, And that's the thing about it is that it's clear that triple H loves the business of wrestling way more than Vince McMahon ever did. Right. So there's a lot more of that. I mean, it was evident while he was running NXT too, but it's, it is good to see WWE celebrating, you know, the fun that isn't wrestling. Hopefully it continues to go in that direction, but time will tell, I suppose. So, we are going to end this uh, at your request with the pivot questionnaire. So the questions that were made famous uh, as a part of inside the actor studio, 10 questions. Are you ready for them?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. What is your favorite word?
1: Favorite word. That's hard. Um, I've answered these questions before, but you know what? Um, I feel like it's going to be a lot different now. Um, my favorite word, I think, right now, is "wallop." It's fair. What is your least favorite word? Failure.
0: What turns you on?
1: Um, stand-up comedy and pro wrestling. What
0: turns you off? <sighs> Hate. What is your favorite curse word? "Cunt" or "fuck." Uh, what sound or noise do you love?
1: Uh, this this will be the same answer as the last time I answered this. Um, when it winter first hits and the ice is fully melted or fully uh, frozen, and you can hear people slapping sticks and skates on ice. Even if you're like, uh, I remember there's a period of time where I lived in a house that there was a, a rink just down the street for me, and a door rink. And you could hear skates and sticks hit the ice, and there's just something about that that sound that really does it for me. Also, anytime my son says anything, I love that so much. What
0: sound or noise do you
1: hate? When I was really young, I hated fire drills. So anytime I hear a fire alarm, I hate that noise.
0: What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Pro wrestler. What profession would you not like to do? Any sort of laborer. I feel for all you construction workers. You guys, you get the job done, and I want nothing to do with your job.
0: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly
1: gates? Fuck, man. I didn't think you'd make it. All
0: right. Ryland Turner, thank you so much for sitting down and doing this. This was was fun.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you, uh, Kyle, for coming up with these questions with less than 24 hours' notice.
0: Well, I, I like throwing around stuff with interviews. It's it's a lot of fun to, to sort of just banter. Um, normally, we would be cutting things at this point, but before we get out of here, I do want to let everyone know that our Royal Rumble pool is still active. If you are listening to this the day this episode drops— it is tomorrow at noon when it's going to cut off. So the Saturday, the 27th at noon. This is the day of the Royal Rumble. You have until then to get your predictions in. It's free to enter, and the winner gets to pick a show that we are going to be reviewing on our Rewind episode for February. So a neat little prize there for, for you to pick up if you're interested. And yeah, if you haven't done it, you feel free to fill it in check it out even just for fun throw it in there it's it is it's surprising what can happen if you throw just throw an entry in there so absolutely we'd love we had, to see
1: some more we had somebody uh, like years ago i think at this point who'd never really watched wrestling and we had a, a big group of us um f- watching the, the royal rumble and she ended up getting a lot more points than she expected to and we were betting money in person, too. So it was great.
0: So, yeah, I feel free to check that out. We will link the poll in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. And you have been walloped. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at WallopMedia. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Ryland Wallop, and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. you can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by ACAST. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice, or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.